we're Luke and Tessa Miller from Toluca. We moved to the area in 2012. After feeling pulled to find a church home, we stumbled upon Great Oaks in 2014. We felt like this was the right place for us and continued to quietly attend, not really doing more than attending Sunday mornings. We didn't get involved in a life group till about three years later when a friend I met through work approached me about joining theirs. We were extremely nervous going into it, leaving our comfort zone to join a group who already seemed so much further in their journey and knew so much more than us when it came to the Bible. Now on top of our insecurities, it was very awkward walking into a stranger's house and having no idea what to expect of being in a life group. But after seeing what it was all about, we quickly realized this was exactly what we needed. It wasn't long before our five-year-old was telling anyone and everyone she talked to that they should join a life group too. Now another three years later, our life group has really turned into family for us, celebrating holidays, life events, and planning get-togethers every chance we get. After getting past the social awkwardness of joining a life group, it's really been a huge step in helping with getting closer to God and getting more involved with the church. So I want you to think of your most awkward experiences in life. Some of you I know, and some of you have a gift for creating awkward experiences. <laughs> um, some of you, you're, you're a little more careful, and you do everything you can to limit those awkward experiences, right? I mean, you want them to not exist at all. But we all have them, right? What are some of your awkward experiences? Uh, maybe for some of you, maybe you think back on a day in high school, right? And you're, and you're walking through the hallway and you have your books and your papers underneath your, your arms and you're walking down the flight of stairs, but you miss the first step and you go tumbling down the steps and your papers and books go everywhere. Anyone ever experienced that? That was me at high school, my freshman year at high school, floating, tumbling down the steps with my books going over. That's kind of awkward, right? That's kind of awkward. Maybe for some of you it was your first kiss, first date, hopefully not your first kiss on your first date. Um, it could be a lot of things, right? I remember my very first blind, my very first blind date, I never told my wife about this, this is a new story for you. I remember my very first blind date that I ever went on. I was in high school. Most of the time high schoolers don't go on blind dates. But I had a friend who was going to ask this girl out. And she wouldn't go on just a date with him. She required a double date. So he's like, Dan, hey, I need you to do me this favor. I want you to go on this double date. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I'll go on a double date with you, whatever. And remember, friends, this is before the Internet, all right? There's no Facebook. There's no eHarmony, right? I mean, this is true. This is true blind date here. Friends, the minute I said hello to her, it, it became obvious to me. Now I know why this girl needs blind dates. <laughs> All right? I knew, I knew this was going to be a long, awkward night. Right? It, it was just obvious. It's like, this is, this is not going to go well. And it was long and painful and awkward in every sense. And it just like could not end fast enough. We all have them. We all have those awkward moments in our life. First, first time for some of you to go to a church, right? If you didn't grow up in a church and you're going to church for the first time and you walk in those doors, you're like, what is on the other side of these doors, right? 
What is that? What am I getting myself into? Are they going to ask me to introduce myself? Am I going to have to sing? Do I kneel? Do I stand? Do I know when to do that? Uh, is there some kind of unofficial but really kind of understood handshake uh, that everyone's doing, some kind of secret handshake, right? It can be very awkward, right? And then if you want to ratchet up the whole awkward meter to a whole new level, your first time in a new life group, right? Especially if you don't know anyone and you ring that doorbell and you're thinking, what, what is waiting for me beyond this door, right? Are they going to be nice to me? Are they going to talk to me, right? Uh, am I going to have to pray? Is this going to be like a kumbaya experience here? Is there going to be all kinds of like little singing and stuff? What's going on? Uh, is this one of those stinky houses, right, <laughs> that smells? Are there pets just everywhere running around? Is this a house full of huggers, right? Is everyone in there hugging, right? Because if they're all hugging, I'm not a hugger and I'm out, right? It's just not going to happen, right? Awkward experiences, we all have them. And tell me, let's be honest, some of us have had conversations with our spouse that go something like this. So, honey, so you know that if we become friends with these people, they're going to ask us to help them move, They're going to want to use my truck. We're going to have to babysit their kids. And have you seen their kids? Right? And so, honey, they're going to want to, like, get together and, like, talk and get to know each other and stuff. Honey, I don't know if I have the time or the energy to put forth into something that can be so awkward. Right? Awkward. We all have. Let's be real. Right? We... Most of you here have had those conversations, right? Something like that. Friends, and the answer is, by the way, yes, yes. Yes, yes, and yes. Yes, you will be asked to move. Yes, you're going to end up babying their, babysitting their kids. Yes, one of their kids will be a living tear, right? You can just <laughs> count on it. And, hey, yes, they're going to want to get together and be friends. It's, it's, it's all part of it. But, friends, that is such a small part of Christian community. And this morning, as we get this series kicked off, we're going to be talking about Christian community and why we need it. As we go through Scripture this morning, I want us to understand why we need Christian community. True, authentic Christian community. And keep this in mind. The reason that you may want Christian community may not be why you need Christian community. All right? To help us understand these points, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. If you would please turn, me to, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. As you're turning, I'll give you just a little bit of background to this book. Right? So, this, so this letter to the church was written by Paul during his time of being under house arrest in Rome. And he wrote it to the church at Ephesus. And it is a fantastic book. All right, so he sent it with his messenger, they studied it there in Ephesus, and then they sent it, and then they sent it around to other churches in that region. All right, and it is a wonderful book. And friends, if you have not ever sat down and read the book of Ephesians, from chapter one to chapter six, do it this week. Sit down and listen, friends. I know you have time this week. All right, <laughs> there's nothing else going on, so you have time. Open up the Bible this week. Carve out 30, 45 minutes and read this, 
this letter, start to finish, chapters 1 through chapter 6. The first three chapters is all about the church. Well, the whole book's about the church. But the first three chapters is about the doctrine of the church. The last three chapters is about how we apply that doctrine to our daily lives. It's fantastic. Spend time doing that. So this morning, I'm going to have us look in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. As I'm reading these verses to you, what I'd like you to do is to put it through a filter in your mind. Put it through this filter, Christian community. I want you to listen to these verses, read these verses, and think Christian community. Follow along as I start reading. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascend mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I want us to go back up now to the beginning of chapter 4. Did you notice a theme woven throughout these verses? Go to chapter, chapter 4, verse 3 with me. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then verse 13 says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Do you see that theme that is woven throughout these, these verses? It is unity. Unity and oneness. Don't confuse that with uniformity. Those are different. Uniformity means we all act the same, we are the same, we behave the same. That's uniformity, right? That's not the church. That's not Christian community. God in his love and his sovereignty has designed it so that he chooses people from all walks of life, different races, different backgrounds, different history. 
and he puts them all together in this beautiful creation that he made called the church. It's fantastic. But in there, there is unity. And what unifies us? It is a common purpose. It's a mission. That's what our, our unity is built around. But let's see what that common purpose is. It's in verse 13. It says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That verse right there, that tells us what our unity is built on and built around. It is our faith and our knowledge in Jesus Christ. It is our desire to mature in our Christian walk. And it is our desire for, to, for us to experience the fullness of Christ in our life. That is the foundation that unity, those truths, that is the foundation of our Christian community. Now, for the rest of the message, I'm going to talk to you about the three points we find in these next three verses. About why we need Christian community. What it does for us. Why we need to be a part of it. Start in verse uh, 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there. Every wind of teaching. Go back up there to that first phrase. Then we will no longer be infants. Uh, Paul gets us started here with a fantastic word picture. All right. And he starts it with that phrase infants. Friends, infants are wonderful, aren't they? They make us smile, they make us laugh. We like to make them laugh. They're, they're fun to give hugs to. They're fun. Infants are, are awesome. But no teenager and no adult wants to be referred to as an infant. Because infants can't take care of themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't dress themselves. They can't make any important lifelong decisions whatsoever. They are completely dependent on someone else. No one wants to be referred to as an infant. Right? Let's keep reading. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Paul continues to develop this wonderful word picture, right? So now he takes an infant, and he puts him in like a raft in the middle of the ocean. And a storm. Here's this infant in a raft, in the ocean, in the middle of the storm. And now picture this in your mind. Here's this infant, and he's being blown all over the place in the storm. The waves, the winds, he's got no direction. He's got no compass. He's got, he's got no control. Things are just chaotic. They are out of control as this infant in this boat is just being tossed everywhere, right? That's how Paul describes Christ followers who are easily deceived. They, are, they fall victim to false teachers, false teachings, deception, scheming. And it's all around us. And Paul says those people are spiritual babies. Spiritual babies. Not able to discern and, and make wise choices. And they're all around us, friends. They're all around us. Sometimes they're teaching false doctrine. Sometimes it's false philosophies. Sometimes it's people trying to instill fear, anger, hatred. 
And Paul says, when you, when you fall prey to that, when you follow those people, you are spiritual babies. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for Great Oaks. I don't want that for my family. I don't want us to be spiritual babies. Let's keep reading. I'm going to start at the top of verse 14 again. It says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Go back up to the beginning of verse 15. Instead, speaking the what? Say it out loud. Speaking the Speaking the truth. Here's the question, friends. If we are surrounded by people who are teaching false theology, false doctrine, trying to instill fear, hatred, anger into our lives and our minds, how do we know? How do we know what the truth is? Because this person over here is telling us one thing. And this person over here is telling us something else. And when I read the newspaper or a book or an article or an online article or whatever, we get hammered all the time. It's just like boom, 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 boom. It's everywhere. All this teaching. And somehow, somehow we have got to know what truth is. What did God give us to know that truth? Friends, it's right here. This is it. This is where we know what truth is. And all the teaching that we hear, and all the stuff being spread out there, whatever it might be, it's been around for centuries and will continue to be on for centuries because the devil is alive and he wants us to be a victim to these false teachers. And God loves us so much that he gave us this book to know what truth is. If it doesn't match up with this book, it is a lie. Don't believe it. Don't read it. Don't fall victim to it. It's right here. Friends, Satan does not want you reading this book. He does not want you to read this book. Do anything else. Anything else. He doesn't care. Just don't read this book. That's his approach. Too busy? He thinks, great, that's great. In his mind, you're too busy? That's awesome. You're too tired? Great. You think it's a pack of lies, fairy tales? Great. You're too embarrassed? Great. Whatever the reason, he just doesn't want you reading this book. And friends, think about it. Down through the centuries, this book, the Bible, God's holy word, has been burned it has been outlawed. It has been confiscated. People who have preached it have died at the stake, had their heads cut off, been imprisoned, separated from their families. Why? Because the devil does not want you reading this book. And Satan doesn't care, right? What you do, just don't do it. And there's something else he doesn't want you to do. He most definitely does not want you to come together in authentic Christian community. 
Those are two things you can be sure Satan does not want you doing. Again, Satan doesn't care what you do as long as you aren't together in authentic Christian community. Same excuses, I'm too busy. Satan says, great. I'm too tired. Great. It's too awkward. Great. Whatever. And friends, think about this. Right now, right now, we have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. Afghanistan, Pakistan, Libya, North Korea, Somalia, China, all over the world, who are literally putting their lives on the line to get together to experience true Christian community because they know they need that community to help them mature in their faith in Jesus Christ. Some parts of the world like that, Satan's tactic is, I'm going to threaten them with their lives. Some parts of the world, like the United States, it's a whole, it's a whole different tactic, but it is very effective. I'm going to make them too busy or too apathetic. Whatever, I don't want them together. Satan knows that if he can, he can accomplish those two things, keep us from reading the Bible and keep us from being together as a Christian, authentic Christian community. Game, set, match. Game over. Sadly, friends, it's not a game. It's eternity. And as far as Satan's concerned, all those paths, all those other excuses, they all lead to the same place. They all lead to hell. He doesn't care which path you take. Just be on one of those paths. Don't be on the one path that leads to God the Father through his son Jesus Christ as you study his word and gather in Christian community. That's the path he doesn't want you on. The first point I'm going to make this morning is Christian community promotes maturity. Christian community promotes maturity. And as we get together as authentic community and we study God's word, and we begin to mature, we can then begin to identify what is false, what are lies, what's deception. And we can avoid it and focus on God's truth. Let's keep reading. The second point I want to draw to you is found in verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Two weeks ago, I was out a Christian church conference and in that conference uh, there was a speaker one of the main speakers his name was Jossie Chaco and he gave a really neat illustration as I heard I thought that's a great illustration I want that I'm using that illustration for my sermon in two weeks so I went home last week and I did a little studying to make sure that was all accurate and put some pieces together but uh, have you ever been to California and seen the giant sequoia trees because I've been there once, and it's fantastic. These trees are huge. Here's, here's a picture of the trees, right? Some of these trees get to be 300 feet tall, 300 feet tall. Many of these trees weigh over 2 million pounds, and some of them live 3,000 years old, okay? That is mind-boggling, all right? So as you look at these trees, the natural thought is these giant sequoia trees must have a very deep, strong root structure that goes way down into the earth. For something to be that tall and live that long, you're thinking, 
this root structure has got to be enormous. This is what I found out, was that's not true, all right? These sequoias have much smaller roots that grow out from the base of the tree. But here's the key. The sequoias grow in groves, in groupings. And as they grow, these smaller roots, they only go 12 to 14 feet deep. That's just not very tall. That's not very deep for a tree that big. And as they grow, their roots begin to all get interwoven with each other. The taller they become, the more the roots stretch out inside this grove. And now all these trees are connected to each other. Now when the storms come, the winds, the rains, the snow, whatever it may be, these sequoia trees can stand up. They can, they can withstand the storm because they're in a community and they literally hold each other up. It's fantastic. Now think about that in our Christian community. Friends, my wife and I have been here at Great Oaks Community Church for many years. And through it, we have been blessed by God to establish some authentic Christian community and relationships with several friends throughout the years. <sighs> Through the years, there's been storms, right? I mean, we all have them. We all have the storms. My wife and I is no, no different. We have our storms. Uh, things like my wife's brother died in a car wreck. My dad was diagnosed, died of cancer, a couple miscarriages, uh, and just other storms, right? You, you know how they work. You know how they are. And through those storms, our community, our authentic Christian community, has supported us. Uh, sometimes it's a prayer. Sometimes it's a card. Sometimes it's a it's a, a hug, right? Sometimes it's a long conversation over a cup of coffee at the coffee house, right? Um, sometimes it's been, financial, it's been financial assistance to get us through a storm. Whatever it might be. But our, our, our community supported us through the storm. Why would anybody, why would anybody want to go through the storms of life on their own? I just don't understand it. Friends, the Christian life was never intended to be lived in isolation. It just wasn't. God gave us the church, and when he did, he created this community of believers. And part of that community is we support each other through the storms of life. Point number one this morning is Christian community promotes maturity. Point number two this morning is Christian community provides support. I'm going to go on to the third and final point this morning. Verse 16, the last phrase there, the last uh, six words, it says, as each part does its work, as each part does its work. Friends, throughout my years of being a pastor here at Great Oaks, I have heard a similar story like this, like, like the example I'm about to share many times, right? The names change, the examples change, but it's the same basic story. And it goes something like this. Dan, so I decided to get plugged in to a life group. And I got to tell you, 
not long after I got plugged in, I, uh, I started serving in the children's ministry or the youth ministry or the worship ministry or whatever it might be, right? Or Dan. All right. So I finally did it. I jumped in. I decided to become part of a life group. And you know what, Dan? Not long after, I found myself serving my life group. Or we were serving the community together. Or we come to church functions and serve together. Whatever it might be. Or this is one I've heard recently. Dan, I joined a life group. And you know what? I'm going on my very first mission trip. Right? I mean, the examples change. But the theme is always the same. People get plugged into authentic Christian community. They begin to mature. Before long, they find themselves doing works of service for God. And it's no accident. That's no coincidence. That's how God designed Christian community to work. The third point I'm making this morning is Christian community produces works of service. Christian community produces works of service. As I start to wrap this up, I'm going to show you something here. I have a, this is a puzzle piece, all right? Most, I'm sure all of us have a puzzle of some kind in our home. For some reason, I don't even know how it happened. Uh, five, six years ago, maybe, my family decided, kind of started this tradition that at Christmas time, or actually just after Thanksgiving, before Christmas, we were going to put a puzzle together. And it's the same puzzle every year, all right? But that's kind of the tradition of it. Uh, and so it's the Snoopy Charlie Brown puzzle. And uh, it's got Charlie Brown there and Snoopy and, and all their friends, right? And they're standing around his Christmas tree. And, but we don't put it together all in one night, right? So we put it on a table or a surface of some kind. And just as the days or weeks go by, we just kind of slowly put the, this, this puzzle together, right? And so... Three or four years ago, we were putting it together. And uh, as we're putting it together, I'm thinking, oh, boy, something's not matching up here. Uh, there's more blank spaces than there, are, than there are puzzle pieces. And I'm like, and so we keep putting it together, and I'm like, that last piece of the puzzle is missing. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, tell me that's not frustrating. Here we are. We spent weeks on this puzzle, and the last piece of the puzzle is missing. I'm like, okay, kids, <clears throat> we're going to tear this room apart. We're finding that puzzle piece. Uh, look underneath the couches, look in the, look in the cushions, behind the curtains, under the TV, in the blankets, in the drawers, wherever. We're finding this, this puzzle piece. It didn't happen. Christmas came and went, and that puzzle piece was still missing. And it was so frustrating. I took the puzzle apart, put it back in its box, stuck it back in the closet. Months later, right, I'm looking for something. And for some reason, I, I decide to go where no human being should go. And I stick my hand down in the back of the couch back there where you don't really want to put your hand because you know it's going to get poked by something or some kind of goop is going to be in there. And you're like, I, I don't really want to do this, but I'm going to do it, right? I'm trying to find something. And, and I pull out the missing puzzle piece. And I was like, Yes, hallelujah. This puzzle piece has been found. And so then I take the puzzle piece, I dust it off a little bit, I clean it up, get it put back into the right shape or whatever, you know, and I put it back in the box in the closet where it belongs. But as I think about that puzzle, I think, wow, 
That's a great illustration of our Christian community. Because there's two parts to it, isn't there? The first part is the puzzle. first part is the body of Christ. And it's a beautiful thing. And when it's all together in true Christian community, it is exactly how the Creator wants us to see it. It's a beautiful thing. It's exciting to be a part of and to look at. But when a piece is missing, that, that picture, that body of Christ, it's incomplete. It's not what the designer designed it to be. It's incomplete. And then you think about the puzzle piece. And you think about what that represents. It's that, it's that person. It's the person off on their own. They're alone. All right? They're off isolated wherever they may be. And I think, wow, how sad. Not only is the body of Christ suffering, but that person is not enjoying the fulfillment and peace and joy of their Lord as they are contributing to the body of Christ. Instead, they're off on their own doing who knows what, where, being lost somewhere. What a shame. Friends, I don't want that for any of us. I don't want that for Great Oaks Community Church, and I don't want that for the church worldwide. The body of Christ, when it is experiencing true, authentic Christian relationships, Christian community, is a beautiful thing. It provides us with maturity. It provides us with support. And it produces works of service so that we can continue to build up the body of Christ. I'm about to wrap it up. But i got to say this. Friends, if, if you are called to Jesus Christ... You are called to community. There is no separating the two. When when God in his sovereignty reaches down into your heart, convicts you of your sin, brings you to saving faith through his son Jesus Christ, and brings you into his church, his family, he is bringing you not only into salvation through his son, he is bringing you into community. If you are called to Jesus Christ, you are called to community. So what's Great Oaks have to offer you? Sunday mornings, you can come every Sunday morning. And you can sit in a row. And you can listen to wonderful, godly, biblical preaching. But you can go home, sit in front of your computer, punch a few keys, and pull up some fantastic preachers. Or you can come Sunday mornings and you can sit in a row and listen to some wonderful God-honoring worship. We have a wonderful, talented, God-honoring worship ministry here at Great Oaks. And you can come and you can listen to them and you can sing the songs. But you can go home and you can sit in front of a computer and you can download a thousand of your favorite worship songs. You can do that online. By yourself, isolated somewhere. What you can't do online or by yourself is what Great Oaks has to offer you. Authentic Christian community with real people living lives together, helping each other mature, supporting each other, performing works of service together. Friends, I want that for you. I want that for me, and I want that for Great Oaks Community Church.
Friends, I'll ask that you pray with me here today, and we're going to close out our time together. God, we love you so much. God, we thank you for this wonderful creation that you have given to us, that you had planned from the beginning of time, the church. And God, I pray that we, as followers of Christ, those who know you who are listening today, may we experience Christian community and experience the growth, the maturity, the support, the works of service as we gather and as we live life in community with each other. God, you are so good that you saw fit to send your son to call us into your family, to give us community. May we honor and glorify you with that opportunity. May we be your hands and feet. And as we leave here today, and as we go into a world that is confused, looking for direction, looking for hope, God, I pray that those of us who know you as our Lord and Savior will experience your peace, be a light in darkness, bring people in our world into saving faith in you and allow them to experience the community of Jesus Christ. God, cause us to live out our faith that way this week for your honor, your glory, your praise. We love you so much. In Jesus' name.